Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. Before we jump into our text today, I thought we'd play a little game with one another. There would be a little interaction with one another right now as we uh, get ready before we dive into God's Word. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, tell you a quote And uh, what I want you to do is uh, you just tell me where you heard it from, who might have said it. Um, So there's going to be a point to it, all right? So uh, we're going to be a little interactive before we jump in. Uh, First one, super easy. You should be able to get it because uh, we've been talking about it over the last several weeks. And the first one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Who said it? One, two, three. Jesus, some of you weren't sure about that. I mean, come on. Anytime you uh, are asked a church question, chances are if you say Jesus, you get it right. So who said it again? There we go. There we go. All right, this next one. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Who said that? There you go. See, you got it, right? The Wizard of Oz. I grew up watching that movie way too much. Like, I now kind of despise that movie. You know, I just saw it that many times. All right. This next one, it comes with an impression, all right? So... It's a bonus thing. I wish I could do impressions too, by the way. Like, that's just something I wish I could conquer. But this, this, is, this one comes with impression. This one's free, all right? Where did you hear this from? I'm going to make them an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're all blown away by the impression right now. Where did you hear it from? The Godfather. Thank you. Don't judge me too harshly on my impressions, all right? That one's a good one. I don't care what you say. This next one is... That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Who said it? Neil Armstrong. Armstrong. Some of you, Louis Armstrong, wrong guy, all right? Last one, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Who said it? One, two, three. Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Some of you might have said Michael Scott. I accept that as well. If you're an Office fan, you understand. If you don't, you better watch the show, all right? Here's the point in all of this. Words are powerful. That's why I said, hey, ben, be gentle with me when you judge my impression, right? Because words are powerful. They not only stick with us, they lead to movements. They evoke uh, memories and emotions. They shape history as well. And what I want you to do for a moment is I want you to think about some of the words spoken to you. Let's think about some of the words that people have said to you. Maybe they're words of hope words of encouragement, words of affirmation. You can think about somebody saying something like, man, I see this in you. You've got this gifting. I see that you have this in you and God's going to use you in a great way. Maybe it's just words of encouragement, words of hope. But more often than not, I think a lot of us, when we think about the words spoken over us, we think of words that were hurtful or harmful. Growing up, we all heard the phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt, right? And then the phrase, the the premise of that phrase is really simple. Like there are things that will break your bones, but words are not as as painful as breaking a bone. And even though breaking a bone, if you've ever done it, is extremely painful, we just know that this sentence isn't true. The reason why we say it is we want to make ourselves feel better. Like, no, I don't care what you said. I don't care that you said that about me or to me. Like, like, I don't care. And so we kind of just say that to make ourselves feel better when deep, deep down inside, we know that those words were incredibly painful, were incredibly hurtful. Like many of us, we've heard the phrase that when the words are even more harsh, we say, I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, right? Words are powerful. They hurt. Broken bones will heal. But the words that someone has said to you 
or even the words that you've said to other people still exist in our deep wounds even today. A word said in 10 seconds has the potential to impact our lives for 10 years and decades and decades. Some of the most painful moments in your life involve what someone else said. And maybe for you, it's what a parent said, a sibling said, someone at school, someone at work. And it's just stuck with you. And they said something to you. Maybe the way you look, the way you dress, something about you in general. And you look back on that moment and you replay that moment over and over and over again in your mind. It's like it's frozen in time. The reality is most of us, we will not remember what we did last night, what we did last week, what we did last month. But we will remember what someone said to us as if it was yesterday. Words are powerful, and sometimes it feels like we can't control them, which is why James chapter 3 is so important for us. James has a lot to say about the words that come out of our mouth. In fact, James, in almost every chapter, has something to say about our tongue, about our words. And what we're going to look at today in James chapter 3, he says a lot. It's the longest section, the longest portion of of Scripture that talks about our words or our mouth. James wants us to understand, as believers, he wants us to know the power of our words and how to use our words when we talk to one another. What James is ultimately going to get at is this little thing that sits between your teeth, the words that come out of your mouth, has the power to cause a lot of problems if we don't control it. In fact, the title of today's message is The Smallest But Biggest Troublemaker. Smallest But Biggest Troublemaker. If you have a Bible today, join with me in James chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 today. And if you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you, go to the YouVersion Bible app, look that up, download it. And then once you do, at the very bottom, there's going to be something that says more. Click on that, go to the events tab. Waken Church will be like the third one down. You can follow along with the outline, take notes there as well. And if you're just joining us, you're new to Awaken, we're excited that you're here. And periodically as a church, what we do is we go verse by verse through portions of the scripture. And so uh, we're in James chapter three today. If you want, you can go go online and check it all out, uh, what you might have missed. But uh, James chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. And this is what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great is a forest set ablaze by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Basically, what he's getting at is you've seen Shamu. Man can tame Shamu, right? Like, we've been able to tame Simba from the Lion King, right? Like, we got animals, reptiles, sea creatures, everything man has been able to control. And verse 8, he goes, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, with full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made 
in the likeness of God. Verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Right out the gate, James is warning us about our words and how our words can be problematic. That it is inevitable that we are going to say something that we're going to regret. And James really reminds us of three things that we should never forget when it comes to our words. And the first one is this. If we can keep our tongue in check, we can keep our body in check. If we can keep our tongue in check, we can keep our body in check. Look at what he says here in verse one. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, why in the world would James launch here? Well, as you've read through this entire passage, you might've picked up on the fact that James gives us some instructions and then he gives us some illustrations to hammer home what he's trying to get. He's trying to use these things to get his point across, to help us understand what he's trying to say. So the reason why he starts there is he's trying to give us an analogy, an illustration of why words are important. And so he uses this analogy of what a teacher does. And I want you to notice that he's speaking to all fellow believers. He recognizes that he's not the only one who will ever teach. But he he says not many of us should become teachers. There's a warning here for us to consider when it comes to teaching, because he wants us to understand that the more you speak and in the form that you speak, we will be held more accountable. Because as pastors, as teachers, we have the potential to lead people astray. People look to pastors, people look to teachers to set an example of what it means to not only say it, but to do it as well. To talk the talk and walk the walk. James here, he's not discouraging people. He's like, hey, you should never become a teacher. That's not what he's getting at. That's not what he's saying. Like, if you have the gift of teaching, I would say, hey, cultivate that. Work that out. He's not discouraging us. Hey, don't be a teacher. God wants people to learn about him, to grow in him. In fact, think about the Great Commission. It says, go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So James isn't discouraging people like, hey, if you don't, if you, you shouldn't do this. And God wants us to teach other people, but there, we need to make sure there is a seriousness when it comes to teaching God's word. I'll let you in my world for just a second here. Uh, for me this week, I, I read an article that said the average person speaks about 125 to 150 words a minute. Now let's just say I speak 150 words a minute. Here's what that means. At the end of this service, I will have spoken about 5,250 words. Now, here's the reality. We had a whole group of other people right before you all, and some of them are serving right now, serving your kids, serving in other ways here. And so before this service, I already spoke some like over 5,250 words because there are some things I said in this service that I didn't say here. There's some things I'm saying here that I didn't say there. And so by the end of today, just from this stage alone, I will have spoken over 10,500 words. That's not even counting the fact that uh, before service, I was out in the lobby in between services, after service, you know, that I'm speaking to people. And here's the point in all of this. There is a large opportunity for me as one of the pastors, as my main way to serve you all, there is a bigger opportunity for me than you to potentially trip over my words. 
And so James wants us to understand that not many of us should become teachers. Because we might not be ready for that level of accountability because our tongue is not in alignment yet. Now, just as a side note, let me just tell you, this is great concern for me when I get up here and teach. Like, I don't want to mess up what God's word has said. And just as one of those who teaches from here, one of the uh, teaching uh, pastors up here, I just want to let you guys know that this is a a concern for our whole teaching team. Like, none of us want to mess up what God's word has said. And so with this, what we take from this is that if we want to teach God's word to any capacity, when we teach God's word, this is a thing, this is a weight and responsibility we have to wrestle with. But James, he he says, teachers aren't the only ones who sin. Look at verse two. He says, for we all stumble in many ways, right? Uh, Like, he's like, hey, just because a teacher might say some things and stumble, that doesn't mean you haven't fallen. That doesn't mean you haven't sinned. We all stumble in many ways. But then he goes back and he's focusing on words and he says, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. In other words, he's like, you've got to learn to control your tongue. And if you could learn to control your tongue, you would then be a perfect person. How crazy is it that as big and as large as our bodies are compared to our tongues, how crazy is it that it's easier for us to restrain our bodies than it is for us to control our tongues? Like if you came in here today and you have a problem just punching people, like you see somebody, you're just, I got to slug them, right? Like you just got, you got that problem. It's a lot easier for you to go, hey, and just kind of like not want to punch somebody to reel it back in. It's a lot easier for us to restrain our bodies than it is for us to restrain our tongues. And James gives us two illustrations of what this looks like, how something so small has so much power. In verses three and four, he talks about a horse and a bit, and then he talks about a rudder and a ship. And James uses these examples to show us the power of our words. He wants us to connect what he's saying to things that we've seen, to things that we've experienced, to things that we've come in contact with to drive home his point. So really quickly here, he compares the tongue to a horse bit. He's like, when we put these small things into these big giant animals called horses, you're able to control them. You're able to steer them. You're able to direct them where you want them to go. And, and here's the idea. He's like, hey, look at the horse. They're strong. They're powerful. They're fast. They're, they're mighty. They're good at what they do. And man has figured out a way to tame them and use them to do great things with just a tiny little bit in its mouth. He's like, just in case this horse thing doesn't work out for you. He's like, what if you, have you ever seen a ship before? He's like, you've probably seen them. They're large. They're driven by strong winds. They're steered by a captain by this little small thing in the back of the boat called a rudder. I've been to New York and I've seen big Navy ships sitting in the harbors there. I've been to San Diego and I've seen them there as well. I don't like cruises, so you won't ever find me on a cruise. I'm, I don't know, maybe Titanic scarred me. I don't know, but like, I've just heard that these things, but I've talked to people who have been and they're like, man, they're like small cities on the water. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that these rudders are small, but compared to the ship, they are so much smaller. James's point in these illustrations are that all these small little things have this ability, have this power to steer and direct much larger things, and man has figured out how to direct them and conquer them, but you can't do it with your tongue. Verse 5, he even says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet boasts of big things, great things. If we could keep our tongue in check, 
we could keep our bodies in check. Every single one of us has this capacity to bring great harm or great healing, to bring life or to bring death. And we have seen our tongues do both of those things. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I bet you you could think of some people who've spoken life to you, people who've spoken death to you, and you can remember their words and how their words impacted you in a positive way or a negative way. But many of us, we can think of words that we've said to someone, and you may not even know it, but it, it directed the course of their life, either in a positive way or a negative way. James wants us to understand that our tongue is hard to control. And because of that, there is great power in the tongue to direct your life or others' life. And so we need to keep it in check. Here's the second reminder. And that is, who is your tongue working for? Who is your tongue working for? Look at what he says in the middle of verse five. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James here is comparing our tongue to fire. Again, another illustration, something we've seen, something we've experienced to help understand the point that he's trying to make here. And he's saying, just as a single match can burn a forest to the ground, the same is true when it comes to the destructive nature of our words. The Bible talks a lot about the words that we say and the power of our words. And James's point is if we let our words just run wild, if they just run loose, we don't even control them, we don't even restrain them, then just like a forest can be burnt down to the ground, we can burn relationships, we can burn people by just the words that come out of our mouth. And here's the thing about fire and words. They bring both great warmth and great light. Think of it like this, in a fireplace. With the right context, the right control, it brings great warmth and great light. But if it's out of context, it's not great, right? It's chaos. It'll burn your house down, like our words. In the right context, if we control our words, they can bring warmth, they can bring light. But out of context, we can burn relationships. We all know this to be true because we've seen it in our relationships, You've seen your relationship get stronger as you speak life, as you speak words of encouragement, words of affirmation to him. You've seen the relationship get healthier, but you've also seen the destructive nature of your words that your tongue has in those relationships. Some of you, you can look back on your marriage and you can see that your marriage was completely destroyed, completely burned. Why? Not because you didn't put the toilet seat down. Not because you didn't do the dishes enough or mow the lawn enough or take out the trash enough. It was because of your words. It was the things that you said in the heat of a moment. It was the lying. It was the manipulating. It was the anger. It was just that you let your words run wild and you can see that they destroyed your marriage. But maybe for you, that's not where it's been. That's not, that doesn't apply to you. Maybe for you, it was something said by a parent, an employee, uh, someone at school, uh, a classmate, And you heard those words and you started to repeat those words over and over and over again to yourself and you've begun to believe those words. All of us, to some degree, are burned victims of other people's words. And some of us are responsible for creating burned victims. And James says that we need to know that we carry with something that has tremendous damage around with us everywhere we go. 
But then he kind of, he says something really interesting in verse six. And I don't know if you picked up on it, but he says, and set on fire by hell. Now, what in the world does that mean? This week, this was very convicting of me as I looked into this, as I studied a lot of this. And so it was uncomfortable for me. My toes got stepped on. So, hey, I love company. Let's all get our toes stepped on, all right? With what James is saying here. James is saying that, that ultimately what it is is that our tongues have been used for the purpose of hell. And it's not just something that we've seen play out in our own lives, but we see this play out in the Bible in Matthew chapter 16. And it's with a guy named Peter. And if you don't know who Peter is, Peter is someone who loves Jesus, cared about Jesus, followed Jesus, was a disciple of Jesus. Not only was he a disciple of Jesus, like he was in like the top three closest people uh, to Jesus. And after Jesus died and rose again, Peter became one of the greatest leaders in the early church. And God used him in mighty ways, but Peter struggled with this too. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to start telling my disciples about my mission, why I came here to earth. And he's sharing all these things with them. And he's telling them, hey, I got to be handed over to these religious leaders, these people, and I'm going to die. But don't worry, I'm going to come back to life. And Peter grabs Jesus and he pulls him aside. And he's like, Jesus, what are you talking about? In your version, it might say that he rebuked him, that he reprimanded him. And Peter's like, not on my watch, Jesus, this isn't going to happen to you. This isn't going to go down like this. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You're only seeing things from man's point of view. You haven't seen them from God's point of view. Peter was a follower of Jesus, loved Jesus, cared about Jesus. God used Peter in a lot of great ways. But he was not possessed by Satan in that moment, but he was used for the purpose of hell. The words that he's saying aren't in alignment with what Jesus is saying. And because of that, Peter is speaking on behalf of hell. We need to understand that when we speak, we have the power to destroy with our words because we're not speaking on behalf of God. We are speaking with the purpose of hell. Now, I'm not saying if you've ever spoken poorly about someone or misused your words in any way that you're being possessed in that moment. That's not at all what I'm saying. But our words do show who our tongue is is working for. Like I said, there's a lot of speech in the Bible. The Bible talks a lot about lying, boasting, gossiping, slandering, criticizing, anger, uh, mocking. And God's word tells us not to do those things. And if you find yourself doing any one of those things that God's word tells us not to do, you need to stop. In fact, James later on in verse eight, he's like, hey, if you find yourself and you're talking in those ways, he's like, that's like poison coming out of your mouth. Uh, like just, again, he's using this analogy. It's like a snake, just as a snake will have poison and spit it on its victims. He's like, when you speak in any one of those ways that God does not want you to speak, it's like you're spewing venom and poison on that person. And that is not the way the people of God should act. We don't have all the ways to go over uh, these, these, these ways that we shouldn't speak. In fact, every week, I'm always praying, God, what would you have speak to us, your church? Like, what do you want me to say? What do you not want me to say? Every week, I have to cut some stuff out just to be honoring of our time together. And so there's always stuff that I, I could say or not say. And as I was cutting things out, I just felt like the Lord say, we need to stop and we need to talk about gossip for just a minute. Because I think gossip is a sin that many of us tolerate. I think gossip is a sin that we try to disguise and we try to make ourselves look holy, right? Like we just kind of get our friends together and we hold hands. We're like, hey, we need to pray for so-and-so because they're really going through this. 
And maybe they said something to you in confidence, but now you're just letting it all out for everybody to hear. Or to be honest, maybe sometimes we're slandering people with our words. We're just like, you know, we need to pray for this person because they don't really see this. They don't know what's going on here. And we're making some assumptions. And so we're in a way slandering them. We're gossiping them. But for many of us, gossip is a sin that we all tolerate. And listen, if somebody's willing to gossip to you, they're also willing to gossip about you. Proverbs 18.8 says it this way. The words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. I love that analogy. In other words, it's like, mmm, ah, tastes so good. Hits the spot every single time. Because people crave gossip. We all crave it. We all want to know what's the tea. What's going on with this person over here? What's this person doing over there? What's going on? Why do you think TMZ is as popular as it is, right? Like just for me, that's a guilty pleasure for me. Sometimes I'll see something about somebody famous and I'm like, oh, what did they say? Oh, what's going on here? What's happening there? Like we all love it. We all crave gossip. And when we gossip, we are inviting fire that James is talking about that will stain the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. The reality is we should be people who walk around with buckets of water, not buckets of gas. When someone speaks about someone else in a negative way, we should want to throw water on it. Why? Because that kind of language, whatever it is, is not about the people of God. That is not what we should be marked by. And so as believers, our hearts have been transformed. We had an old way of thinking, an old way of doing things, an old nature. But in Christ, we are now new creations, new beings found in him, and our words should follow suit. We speak life. We speak healing. We don't speak harm. We don't speak death. But we stop the lying, the boasting, the gossiping, the slandering, the criticizing, the mocking, the lying, the angry speech. We stop all of that dead in its tracks. In a book called The Cost of Control, Sharon Miller puts it this way. She says, most of us do not equate gossip with power, but very often that's exactly what it is about. Gossip is a weapon for those who feel powerless. We know we can't control our boss or that politician or that friend, but we can control their reputation. And so with one whispered conversation veiled in the tone of concern, we light the match that burns their name to the ground. This is heavy stuff that James is talking about here. This is a big deal. How, I, I know it because I've been in it all week. Like I've been wrecked by this passage this entire week reading it, but this is good stuff for us to think about and for us to consider. To think, am I really loving God with my words and my actions? To make sure I'm not just saying, I love you, Lord, with my words, but do my actions, do I have a life that also reflects that of Jesus? So you need to ask yourself today, do I bash, slander, criticize, mock, gossip? Or do I encourage, edify, uplift, and strengthen? Whose tongue or who is your tongue working for? An untamed tongue will be a struggle for all of us. Hurtful words will slip from our lips. Why? Well, James leads us to the answer in verse 9. In verse 9, he says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? 
Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Here's the third and last thought for us today. And that is the product of our tongue shows what's inside our heart. The product of our tongue shows what's inside our heart. James here again, like I said, all throughout this passage, we're seeing him give us illustrations about the tongue. And, and here he's talking about, he's like, hey, from a spring, that, does salt water and fresh water both come out of it? He's like, can a fig tree produce olives and an olive tree produce figs? Like that doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. Nature reproduces after its own kind. And James wants us to understand that when it comes to the words that we say, when it comes to the words that come through the tongue, it ultimately comes from the heart. Jesus would even say this, from the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The source of our words come from the heart. And I love the fact that James brings up the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God. And here's why this is so powerful to me, because it's like he's saying, hey, you praise God one minute, and then the next minute you're cursing people out, people made in God's image. James is writing to people where this is a new thing. This is a new concept about people made in the image of God. Every single person, he's like, hey, every single person you've met, no matter how much they, uh, what they look like, how much they make, where they live, uh, whether they're single, married, uh, whether they are Jew or Gentile, male or female, he's like, hey, they are all made in God's image. So anytime you say something bad to them, you're offending their maker whose image they're made in. Be like today. If you were to come up and you were to um, mock my kids, they're made in my image. They're, they're, you're insulting me. I'm not going to be like, oh man, yeah, he's the worst. Like, can you believe him? I'm not going to join in on that. They're made in my image. It's offensive to me. And so what James says is when you're short with that person at work or at school or you blew up at your wife or your kids, you dishonored and insulted God with those words. The reality is we can't worship God as treasure and treat people like trash. It doesn't work that way. So in order to address the problem, you got to go to the source. And ultimately, the source is the heart. The mouth is not the problem. The heart is. What's coming out of a person tells you what's inside them. But to change what's coming out of our mouth, we have to change the source, which uh, Jesus says is the heart. And if you stop and you think about it, we all know this to be true. Why do people gossip? It's because we feel bad about ourselves or insecure or jealous of that other person. There's a brokenness on the inside. There's something going on in the inside. We have a messed up heart. That's why we gossip. Why do we lash out and get angry at people? might be because we feel disrespected by our parents, by someone at school, someone at work. And so we just feel justified anytime we lash out at people because we feel like that's, that's helping us. That's getting the respect that we want. James is saying the problem is you have a messed up heart. If you're going to change the source of those words, the source of those sentences, you don't go to the tongue. You go to the heart where it's coming from. This passage is a really interesting one because James, he doesn't give us a whole lot of, well, here's the next three things. Here's the next three steps of what you're supposed to do about your words and what's to happen next. He just kind of ends the passage and moves on. There's no like, here's what step A, always do this. Step B, come to church with tape on your mouth. Only open it when you want to worship and put the tape back on, you know. 
He doesn't say, step three, never do this. Step four, always do that. Like, he doesn't do any of it. He just stops, ends, and he moves on. And this week, as I was studying this, I was like, come on, James. Like, what the heck? Like, after every single passage over the last several weeks that we've gone through, it's like, man, you've given us some sort of, like, words of encouragement or words of, like, hey, this is what I want you to not do, and, 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 and this is what you should do. And he kind of gives us something, but here he just ends the passage, and that's it. And so this week, I just kind of kept reading over these verses, reading what, what James was saying, and a couple things stood out to me. He said, the tongue is untamable. We all stumble in many ways, and there's inconsistency with our mouths. In one moment, we're praising God, worshiping him, praying for one another, uh, saying loving and caring words to one another, and then the next word, we're just blowing up at people. We're spitting poison. We're gossiping. And James is like, hey, this should not be the way. But he's like, it is, because the, ta- the tongue is untamable. And this week, as I sat and I read over these verses, I thought about my own life, and I was deeply convicted. I was like, man, I'm such an idiot when it comes to my words. And so this week, like, I had to make some phone calls. I had to apologize to some people. I had to go before God and say, God, I'm sorry for the words that I've said, the words that have come out of my mouth. All of us are imperfect. All of us will stumble in many ways, and all of us have messed up with our words. And so this week, I was like, well, what are we supposed to do with this? Like, how do we end with this? Because the reality is we've all messed up. And I thought, man, well, what if Awakened Church became a place marked with edification and encouragement? What if in our heads... We made a list of all the people we wanted to speak life to. People that we would say, man, I see this in you. I see this gift in you. I see this calling in you. Man, you have something of like, you have this great faith that I wish that I had. And we looked at people and said, man, you always bring us to prayer, always drive us to God. Thank you so much for opening up your heart and your home to us every week. Thank you for that. What if we stopped thinking about how awesome some people were and we actually started telling them how awesome they were? And the reality is that would be a great place to go, all right, don't do this, do this, let's go, and we all are heading out, and we're done. But I realized this week that that's the finish line. The starting point is we have to reflect what our tongue reveals about us. And I think that's why James just moves on. He wants us to sit. He wants us to think. He wants us to look at our lives and see what our mouth, what our heart would reveal about us. Are we angry? Are we jealous? Do we gossip? Do we slander? Do we criticize? Look, you can try to spin things any which way that you want to. You could try to justify it. I've always said, well, I'm Irish, uh, Russian, um, uh, uh, Irish. I've got all the people who are always mad inside of me. So if anyone can be mad and get angry, it should be me, right? Like I'm justified for that. You could try to spin it, justify it all that you want, but your mouth reveals who you are. Your mouth has betrayed you. And this is good news because if we were left to wonder, well, how good is my heart? What's truly going on on the inside? You might always think, well, I am incredible. You might think like that Lego movie, everything is awesome, right? Like not not everything is awesome in your life. And listen, God loves you too much. He doesn't want you to be deceived in how you see yourself, for you to think this is how great I am. I've never messed up, others have. He doesn't want you to give the holy nudge to your spouse, you know, like, He wants us to see ourselves for who we are. 
and how much loving and grace he gives us. He gives us hard words from his word so we can begin to act and look and talk more like Jesus. So if you're a Christian here today, here's the application. Remember that your words are powerful. Your words carry weight. Anything that you ever text, anything that you ever comment on social media, anything that any phone call, any human interaction that you have, your words have weight to them. And you need to walk around remembering, I need to be people who carry water and not be people who carry gas around. We need to be people who do encourage, who do edify, who do uplift. Now, that doesn't mean there's not time for hard conversations. There's always time where we're going to have to have hard conversations, but we are called to speak the truth in love. And so I just want you all to realize, if you're a Christian here today, just remember that your words have power. Maybe you need to do what I did this week, and you had to repent. You might have to go up. You might have to call some people. You might have to talk to some people. And you have to go before God and say, I repent of this. And here's why. Our words don't just hurt us. They hurt others as well. And listen, if you're feeling convicted today because of your words, don't just be like, God, I'm sorry for blank, and then just go on and move on with your life and go, what's for lunch, you know? But maybe you need to, go, you need to understand what James has been getting at here, that faith works. We don't just say one thing with our mouth and not act it out, but we say something and we live that out as well. And we take the step and we make it right. Don't play the facade of, well, I'm a Christian, so everything is good. Everything is fine in my life. No, you're not. The cross of Jesus has outed you. The cross of Jesus says that none of us are perfect. None of us, are, none of us have it right. We're all broken. We're all messed up people. So let's let God help. Let's let God bring the healing. Let's invite him into our lives and into our circumstances, into our relationships. Don't pretend like I'm perfect. No, James says we've all stumbled in many ways. We all need the cross of Jesus. We're all in need of grace and mercy, forgiveness, redemption. Amen? Amen. But if you don't know Jesus today, Here's your application. If you haven't surrendered to him, then use your tongue, use your words to admit that you're a sinner. Confess those sins, turn from those sins and turn to Jesus and accept his free gift of salvation. Embrace some of the most powerful words that Jesus said when he was dying on the cross. It is finished. Amen. And here's what that means. That everything you've ever done is paid for and is nailed to the cross. So whatever camp you're in today, a believer, hey, you might need to come forward. You might need to say, hey, would you pray for me? Right after this song, we'll have pastors. We'll have our next step team. You might need to come up here and say, hey, can you pray for me? Can you walk through what this looks like in my life? You, you might not know the Lord. and You might have to come forward here in a minute and be like, I need to receive Jesus. I need to take that first step. Whatever camp you're in today, that is your challenge. That is the application. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.